This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. All right, welcome, Jason, to the Therapy for Dads podcast. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Just had dinner, feeling great. Mm, what did you have for dinner? Um, I had some Chinese food. We actually went to a little uh, Chinese store. that They have like a little restaurant there with a spinning table that you can put all the food down. And so the kids don't have to move. We don't have to reach all over the place. You just put the food down shift it down to the next person like a giant turntable. And uh, so I just snuck a little extra rice because we had some take home as well. So <laughs> I, I overindulged a little bit. Uh, I might get caught, but hopefully not. Okay. So so <laughs> I love the turntable idea on a table. I, yeah, I feel like it's, it's so brilliant, cool. you know, just instead of reaching, I think that that's great. Um, yeah. So what are your like, if you had to pick one thing at Chinese, what would be your one food item if you could only take one? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's got to be shrimp. Like shrimp yeah. lo mein or shrimp or broccoli or okay. coconut, walnut, shrimp, whatever it is. Shrimp is the thing. So shrimp some, shrimp something. It's anything shrimp. Like I love it. It's delish. Mm. Yeah. Lo, uh, shrimp, shrimp lo mein sounds quite good right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, so you're, <laughs> it hit the spot. Good. So you're full, ready to, ready to talk. You got some yes. shrimp in there and some extra rice yep. and feeling good. Yes, exactly. Good, good. Hopefully not ready to nap. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it'd be bedtime. But um, yeah. So for those that have been listening, you all know that I'm in Southern California. And right now it's about 8.30 p.m. my time. And so, uh, Jason, where are you virtually in dialing Oklahoma, in from? Oklahoma. Dialing in from Oklahoma. And it is 10... A little bit past ten thirty right now, so yeah. Um, yeah, the sun's down and uh, it's nice and quiet. The crickets are chirping outside. Yeah, it's are good. they loud? Are they loud out there? The crickets in Oklahoma. It, the these aren't. They're not too bad right now. I think the frogs took care of most of them. Okay. But, um, <laughs> it, it can't. The cicadas are no joke, and they they haven't even been that bad. Like around those now. are those are big beetles, right? Yeah, these big things that come out of trees. They like stay in trees and then they come out. And they just make this racket. It sounds like a bunch of sprinkler systems. But um really? we're over yeah, our house, my house is like it's right on the back end of the the neighborhood. And so mm. behind my backyard is an open field. And so I'm the house that has the lovely backyard that we can't do the fire pit at nighttime because it will draw all the bugs in. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, they're out there. It's their domain at the, at night. Like I'm paying rent to them, but then in the daytime, it's my it's my barbecue shack, and okay. I step outside. It's time to grill. It's okay. my it's go time. But yeah, <laughs> at nighttime, it belongs to them. Okay, definitely. That sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> it's nice because it's quiet and everything. Okay, and just the sound. It it rains out here sometimes, and it's I don't know. It's kind of serene to look out the back window and just see the lights in the distance, mm. knowing that there's no, like the next neighborhood is, 
maybe a thousand feet away, which okay. is nice. The horror movie, what I was referring to is the, the yeah. night belongs to them. I'm like, okay, yeah, so yeah. what, what that, comes out at night, Jason? <laughs> that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's, okay. Like in the early part of summer, mm. um, at nighttime, you'll hear this ticking at the windows and it's, it was, it's eerie. I'm like, what the heck is that? And somebody's like, those are June bugs. I'm like, those are what? And I, I opened the door to like take out the trash at nighttime and they were everywhere. And I was like, you know what? This is yours. <laughs> this is your deck. I am so sorry. My apologies. I'll just close the door. And that night I spent uh, trying to find all the June books that crawled in and get them out because the ladies of the house are not fond of, of the, the six legged. They don't like our six legged friends at all. So, <laughs> yeah. And are you, are your June bugs the, the big ones or like? The small, they, like brown ones. They're like, like this big. I, I don't know to scale. But, yeah, uh, to scale. This big. Yeah, some of them. Some of them are. Uh, some of them are quite large, but okay. Yeah, okay. They're they're pretty robust. The okay. birds are happy in the morning. Uh, I'm I'm sure they're well fed. I've actually yeah. never been to Oklahoma, so you know. So what is Oklahoma's claim to fame? Oh man, Oklahoma's claim to fame. I, it's got to be agriculture. Okay, agriculture. We got there's a lot of cotton out here. There's a lot of cows, uh, deer, fishing, hunting, everything. Everything country Oklahoma is. And it's so robust in its own identity that there's a play about it called Mm. Oklahoma. I've heard the play. I've never seen the play, but I've heard of the play. Yeah. You know a place has a pretty big personality if there's a, a play about it, a Broadway play or something. So, yeah, they got that and tornadoes. They are yeah. very, very proficient at tornado tornado development out here. So okay, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and nobody's scared of them out here apparently, because when they hear that one's coming, they all run outside with a lawn chair and oh, uh, stare right. at the sky. Yeah, okay. so I'm, you're not from Oklahoma, correct? No, I am not. I'm from New Jersey. That's where okay. I was born and raised until adulthood. Then I fled the state to. <laughs> quieter <laughs> to quieter slower living I, yeah. the, the city life was a bit much and uh yeah it's yeah. been nice not being not having to be around the big hustle bustle and no tornadoes out in jersey right at, at my recollection actually funny enough with the whole climate acting funny there there has been a couple it, okay. and it's really it's funny i'm like hey it's not my fault i left and uh <laughs> some of the south just went up there but mm-hmm. yeah, typically there's the Jersey's they get hurricanes. Recently the that hurricane that went up the coast yeah. brought in a lot of flooding and uh yeah, so that happens. But yeah, hurricane yeah. Uh, tornadoes are very few unless we get like a really crazy I call them a cosmic weather system, mm. which they have gotten a couple of them this year. So yeah, uh, hopefully they stay safe up there because they I don't think they'd know what to do if they saw a twister in the sky. I, I don't know what I would do. I've never seen one in person, so I have no clue. Um, yeah. I'm from California, so I'm I'm used to earthquakes. And yeah. for me, it earthquakes doesn't even rain are, out there. No, rarely. <laughs> it's we we. It's nice when it rains, but yeah, it does yeah. not rain enough. At least in southern. I mean, it in northern California, I think it rains a bit more. But down here, yeah, not much. I mean, we'll have we'll have some some nice days or weeks. We're like, oh, it's rain, but yeah, no no tornadoes for us. Just heat fire i mean unfortunately bad fires but um earthquakes yeah. and stuff like that but um yeah we definitely need more rain so yeah i don't know what i would do if i saw a tornado in real life i'd probably be interested yeah. in it but you know it i don't know interesting i've not been lucky enough to to brave enough i guess to stay outside because by the time one comes it brings like a lot of hail 
So I'm usually like, okay, I'm staring at the windows like, okay, I hope they hold up. But okay. um, yeah, yeah, I'd imagine it'd be fantastic. Like the real word fantastic, the real meaning of it, just to look at it and to yeah. see the spectacle. But like being, being probably, awe, being awe, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely interesting, you know, thing of nature that nature creates that it can be very, yeah. you know, awe inspiring, but also, you know, devastating. But yeah. um, quick intro, who is Jason? What does Jason do? How many kids does he have? Well, Jason is the father of three children, the husband of one wife, Hmm. who is my amazing partner, Patience. Hmm. Shout out to her. Um, uh, My three children are adopted. Um, They start from the oldest, which is Harper. She's 12. Christian, who is the middle child at 10 years old, the boy, the one boy. (laughs) And, And he's sandwiched between Harper and Lillian, who is the six-year-old boss of us all. So, mm. um, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm, I'm just basically on this journey going through foster care through adoption mm. and, um, and just going through fatherhood, really, um, putting the pieces together as I go and mm. trying to move along with, with empathy, as much empathy as, as I can, yeah. because our, our children, they come from um, hard places, harder mm. places than I came from. And I just want to be a, a ear of understanding, like help them see how amazing they are, um, not let anything hold them back and mm. to just be that that crutch there for them to to stand up on their own two feet eventually and and go out into the world and make their mark. Mm. Well said. I want to <laughs> be that. I want to be that kind of support, that beam of them, right, to, to support yeah. them and to go into the world and give them something, something solid and, and consistent, right? Um, yeah. You, you mentioned foster care, adoption. Yeah. So could you could you tell us a bit about your dad journey? Well, my dad journey kind of, it started from a, a place of being very, very excited. I was new husband, just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, I got a, I got a woman. This is going to be awesome. We're on this adventure. Yeah. And, uh, and immediately we hit the, uh, the hard streets of infertility and, um, mm. and it's very humbling, very painful. Mm. Um, but while we were there, it, it was obvious to us. We had this abundance of love. I've always been a guy that looked at the next generation and just wanted to mentor, just like, just encourage some mm. kid along the way. And, um, and my wife one day said, Hey, if we can't we can't have kids, we've been trying and it's not working. Um, but we have all this love to give. We can use our home. We can use the space that we're at to love on some kid that needs it. And I was scared. She was like really like gung ho. She jumped into it like a a hot day at the pool, just ready to jump in. And yeah. I was like t- kind of tipping my toes in there mm. and just a bit apprehensive if I actually could do it. Like mm. if I would be more good or would I be more harmful? Like, cause I don't know what I'm doing. We jumped into it. We started our journey by going to classes while we were in Florida for a time. And then um, it just wasn't working out. We were learning a bunch of stuff, but the doors weren't working out administratively. Mm. Like things just weren't happening. And then mm. when we moved to Texas, it was like immediately like, we started respite care and then that turned straight into foster care. And uh, we had 11 children come through our doors, wow. 11 of them. Wow. And it, it was in a relatively short space of time, maybe three years, three or four years, 11 wow. kids came through. Shoot. No, it's more than three, three or four years. Shoot. It was five years. Yeah. 
uh, around five years, like 11 kids came through. And out of all of those 11, the three stayed with us forever, which is Christian Harper. And this has been our path to what people would call normalcy. But uh, Mm. (laughs) yeah, it's been an an interesting journey. We've learned a lot. Um, My wife has been, her. I think her gift is in administration because I'm not very good at paperwork or whatever. Uh, it's like keeping up with all of that is very difficult in the, in the foster care system. Yeah. It, it's even overwhelming actually. Mm-hmm. And so with her, she kind of eases me away from that. So I can deal with some of the stuff that have to do with like the patient feeling things out. Cause I was, it's funny how in foster care, when a, when a child comes to your home, um, most people feel like they're the king of their castle. They're the Lord of where they're at. And you're kind of a guest in your own home in that mm. respect, because you're trying to figure out what can I do to make this kid feel safe mm. and um, and to have a partner like I have where we can sit down and break down things. OK, this is how I would approach this. And I'd say, hey, well, I like that approach because I wasn't thinking about it that way. I never seen it that way. I never knew that the way how I walk through the house, if I walk a little bit too fast, that will make a kid afraid. Mm. And my wife would be like. Yeah, we, you know, if we move slowly to their room and just, hey, how are you guys doing in there? Kind of hmm. those little nuances uh, yeah. really uh, help me not to be a Sasquatch in my own house and scare <laughs> everybody in there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been an awesome journey. A lot of tears, a lot of learning, a lot of uh, bumps and bruises um, mm. of the ego. We as uh, dads, <laughs> we start out as naive people. Uh, maybe we never leave the the area of being naive, but we start out as, man, when I'm a dad, I'm never going to do this. Or, man, these people need to take care of their issues. Their kids can't sit down. And all, oh, man, I had all the arrogance, all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And, oh, there's nothing more humbling than to be with a child that actually gives you that reality that you don't have as much control as you really thought you did. Mm-hmm. And so in your humble self, you have to learn, Hey, I, I got a lot to learn. And a lot of the teaching is coming from this kid. Yeah. It's, it's been an awesome journey and yeah. uh, I wouldn't change a thing. What was that process? I mean, for those dads listening that maybe have not gone through fostering adoption in a nutshell, what was that process like? I mean, was it difficult? Was it stressful? Like, was it easy? Like it begins as a flood of information, really. You're learning as much as you can because it's it's a legal issue of where you're standing in. You you're you have to know all of these minimum standards, how to take care of your home, um, where what has to be covered, what has not to be covered in the fridge. You mm-hmm. need to have water safety courses. You you're literally doing courses every single week to learn. You have to have the fire extinguisher, like everything. And that's right when you feel super confident that you got the hatches battened down and everything, then you get introduced with the life, the 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 person that comes into your home. Mm. And it is it slows you down to like, okay, I had everything, all the nails are in the wall, all the plug, the sockets are covered. And now I have to learn who this person is. I have to learn, I have to read about where they came from. And mm. a lot of times. Um, for a lot of foster parents, um, especially dads that may be apprehensive of getting digging into all of the details and stuff and trying to be perfect, 
you're not going to be perfect. You're never going to mm-hmm. be perfect. A lot of times that that child comes into your house or maybe sibling group, you might not even get to know their names right away. <laughs> you mm-hmm. might have a kid in your house and they tell you a name and that's not really the kid's full name or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of walking through. But it's a it's an exercise in patience mm-hmm. and it's an exercise in repurposing your consciousness of when you wake up, it's not really about what you're going to get gratified, gra- gratification from as a person. Um, it's cannot be everything that this kid needs me to be mm-hmm. for them. And, um, and you try to fit that or connect that to whatever maybe your passion is in life and try to like put those two things together in a common and seam- seamless way. But it takes a lot of patience. And mm-hmm. um, and these kids will teach you a lot about yourself as a father. They reconnect you back to your own childhood mm-hmm. with your whatever issues that you have. And they'll help you to mm-hmm. understand yourself more if you learn to put your ego aside. They really will humble you and make you revisit some of those things that maybe your parents may have said to you or did around you that might not have been the most helpful but when you start to hear those echoes in your own consciousness or in your own expression in your home, and you're like, wait, it's not really helpful. Yeah. That's not. I'll give you an example. Um, not not too long ago in my own home, um, I remember Lillian, she had uh she was already adopted. We had gotten into the familiarity of being family and you forget, you don't even remember what it was like to not be a family. Yeah. And it's really comfortable. But it's also it can also trick you into thinking that you're on autopilot when you're really not. And she mm-hmm. ended up she dropped a phone that I gave her. She dropped it in a toilet and she didn't tell me she hid it from me. And um, and I've been trying to get this thing to work and it wasn't working. And I'm like, this is what's going on with this phone. I can't get it working. And sure, she would not open the thing up and I see the the moisture indicator. And I'm like, oh, this smells like bathroom. And um. And she, yeah, it was, that was great that I'd been working on that for a few days and didn't know, <laughs> but thanks. Um, but, uh, it came to a head when, um, she had said that she was, she didn't want to say anything. Hmm. She was scared that she was going to get in trouble. Hmm. And so I start like talking, I'm like, yeah, but you need to tell me this and this, um, phone, this costs money and, um, you got to take more care of it. That's why I tell you not to bring it to the bathroom. And you knew better than to bring it to the bathroom. And I'm going on and on. And patience goes, she pulls me aside and she goes, she's five. Hmm. You're giving her a lecture about a phone and about the cost of it. And she's five. Hmm. And when she said that to me, it made so much sense that it made me upset. Hmm. And I was like, like, I know what I'm doing, you know? And I'm like, wait, what the freak am I doing? She's Mm -hmm. five and I'm giving her a lecture. Why am I talking to her about money? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that's right. That's how I was raised. Uh Like we came, we came up tough. My dad was an immigrant dad from Jamaica and money was hard to come by. So Mm -hmm. when he gave you something, you actually would get praised for not playing with it and keeping it in mint condition. I had so many Christmas gifts that I never took the wrapping off because I wanted to be praised by my dad for keeping it perfect Mm. in mint condition. And I don't want to raise my kids that way. And when that kind of came to a head where I'm like, that's an echo from my dad. And that's not the best echo that he left me. Mm. And here I am doing that to this girl. And she said that she didn't want to tell me because she didn't want to get in trouble. And here I am lecturing her. Mm. And I had to sit down and do something that I wasn't taught. I had to apologize to her 
mm-hmm. apologized to the house for the atmosphere that I'd cultivated at that point. Yeah. And um and it was really humbling. I went and sat down in my room and I was like, like I gotta be more aware of when I'm doing that. And that is what the journey will do for anybody that gets into fatherhood. If you are aware enough, if you have a kind partner that is with you that can let you know mm-hmm. uh, when you're stepping outside the bounds of your own self and you you know pulling some things in from your past that you don't need to, and you have the ability to check your own ego down and say, "Ah, oh, shoot, I'm wrong, and I need to pivot like right now yeah. because I don't want to bring pain into their life." So yeah. Yeah, that is, that's the journey. Yeah, those two things, the the two things that stood out is uh, is ego. uh, I mean, you you mentioned patience as well, but, you know, patience is a third, but uh, ego and echo, right? These echoes of the past. I mean, what a a beautiful image of how our children will bring up these echoes of our past, you know, good, bad, ugly of maybe how we were raised. And and in a way, you're realizing you were doing something automatic. Yeah without even thinking it because yeah. that was so normal. I'm putting quotes around this who aren't watching or listening. Normal meaning meaning familiar. Yeah. That's what was familiar Definitely. to you of like, oh yeah. Like that's just it was like an automatic pilot of like, yeah, this is yeah. cost money is this. And you're like, wait a second. But that that wasn't helpful for me as a kid. And I want to pass it down. And that's that second thing of the ego of being able to say wait and pause and not stay stuck in the ego, but yeah. say, hold on, let me humble myself, ask myself where this is coming from, which is a big step, right? Yeah. Big step to look in, inward and say, where is this coming from? And yeah. thankfully, you know, you have a, a partner who sounds like is very gentle and caring and loving and pointing it out to you in a loving way. <laughs> Yeah. which is helpful and you're receptive. And then you did something, like you said, you, you apologize to the house. So what, what was that process like for you to, to, you recognize the echo, look at your ego and say, Oh my gosh, this is something from my past and a piece of my dad that wasn't helpful. And so then you apologize and that wasn't normal in your home. So what was that no. process like for you to do that with your daughter? It's kind of it, in a way, in the beginning of it, I guess in the concept in your brain, it's uncomfortable because mm-hmm. you've never seen it happen to anybody. And so mm-hmm. Like here I am now, and I, I learn from other people. Uh, I mean, everybody learns from somebody else, but I learn from other parents as well that do uh, like a gentle pairing or, or, or a different type of parenting than, than even me, but they are very introspective. Mm. And they say like, when you apologize to your child, you are teaching them that apology is okay. And that mm. is a natural response to something when you do something wrong. Where me is my growing up was you have to justify it to get out of being called out. Mm. And then you're you kind of lawyer up your own self Mm. until you can smooth it over. And then you win. You win by not having to apologize. And so it is completely counterculture to for me to sit myself down and say, I'm going to go to this child who have all the authority and power over her life. And Mm. I'm going to humble myself and apologize to mm. her. That doesn't mean that I'm littler, if that's a word, than her. I'm belittling myself. But mm. I feel like when I came in front of her and I said, hey, um, daddy's sorry. He didn't He didn't have a reason, real reason to raise his voice and to be upset about this. Mm. This is not a big deal. The most important thing is you. And I want you to be feel safe about telling me when you get in trouble so I can help you and not mm. for me to come down on top of you with all of this angst or or yeah. anger about yeah. this item it yeah. doesn't matter yeah and to sit there and have this kid look you back in the face and say it's okay daddy hmm. i'm sorry that i made you upset i'm like no mm-hmm. 
I appreciate you saying that, but you you can't make me upset. Right. It's not your power. Like that's my I'm in control of my own emotions. And so to give that hug and we're not always at our best. Man, some days we'll go a day before we even sit down and reconcile the junk that we've said or the actions that we've or the atmosphere that we've cultivated in yeah. those moments. But um but that was a moment that I could put a check mark and say, Yeah, you you got that one right and you had a lot of help from from your wife that was there to help you stop before you right. when you gain it's your emotions you kind of gain a lot of momentum off of the feedback and off of the memories and all of that stuff and before you know it you're not even the person that you want to be mm. and um and so those moments of stopping and apologizing they they're like a reboot they show you as a man um that may not have been given the opportunity to be forgiven many times in your childhood, but they show you that you're worthy of grace and who's the one that's issuing this grace, hmm. your wife or your child. Hmm. And that is a pure, pure form of grace and forgiveness that can help you just as a man feel more fulfilled. And it can kind of help erase, I guess, deal with some of those traumas of being a kid yourself so hmm. that you don't reintroduce them to, to your own children. Now, Walt says that healing, you know, being growing from our past and seeing, yeah. you know, really what you might have needed from your dad at that time and in those moments, yeah. not all moments, but in those moments, like, yeah, maybe I needed a different response from him and I needed yeah. an apology. And it modeled because what we're doing, right? And I'm sure this is why you're doing it is we're modeling, like you said, ownership and responsibility for our behavior yeah, and showing how to repair a rift in a relationship. So we're modeling for yeah. them healthy resolution of conflict rather than I just scream and yell and belittle. And then I just walk away as a parent and like, it's your fault. Yeah. You know, it's like my way, the highway type of old school mentality, right? Yeah. It's like, no, we model yeah. like, no, how do you model apology and taking ownership? And like you said, with the next part you said with your daughter was, Hey, I appreciate that, but you're not responsible for my feelings, sweetie. I am like, that's still dad's, yeah. that's still my issue regardless of what you did. And I've had those moments with my boys. I mean, I remember there's a moment, one of my lowest moments was when they were waking up a lot and we weren't sleeping. And this is not to justify my behavior, but just to give context. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't have a lot of energy left. And again, this doesn't justify what I did. In that moment, I, I totally yelled and just just lost it, you know, verbally. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. calling them names or anything, but just yeah. I got kind of scary. And I remember yeah. in that, I remember in, at the, as an instant as I did it, like I felt this thing go on inside and I just felt this like this weight of just, yeah. oh my gosh. Like I knew it. Yeah. I was like, I just did not, I lost it. Just not. And I felt yeah. so bad and, and I walked away. And then I, you know, I gave him a kiss and and put him back to bed. And and I, my wife helped me and took over because she heard it. And, and I was, yeah. you know, three in the morning. But the next day, when the boys woke up, I I sat, kneeled down in front of them at their level and just gave yeah. him a hug and completely apologized. I said, "Hey, Dad was out of line. That was not your fault, and I'm so sorry for yeah. raising my voice. That is not okay." And my son looked me straight in the face. It sounds like what. Your daughter did just these big yeah. blue eyes and just, it's okay, daddy. I love you. And he gave me this big hug and it yeah. just like, it just melted everything inside. I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. it just, just this, just everything just kind of let go. I was like, okay, everything's right yeah. because I'm modeling, you know, I'm getting, you know, a little teary right now, but yeah. Um, you know, we're modeling is that we, we, sometimes we have conflict, but it's about how do we heal the rift and how do we take responsibility and ownership and heal the, the little, the little rift and come back together. Yeah. 
And that's what it's, you did with your daughter. I'm like, that's that's the thing we're trying to teach is where you have moments. It's not about the moments. Like you said earlier, you, no one's perfect. We have our moments. But it's what do you do yeah. when those moments are rough? What do you do when you slip up? When you, yeah. you know, how do you model that healing? And I totally resonate with that feeling. And you, it just really hits yeah. you in the gut, you know? It does. I feel like all of us as as men or, or just as parents in general, there's this thing like, we have our arch fear that we have. Mm-hmm. Some people's arch fear is, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to provide enough for my family mm-hmm. when we lose everything? Mm-hmm. Um, that's most people's arch fear. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are, oh, what if my wife is, is upset with me and she doesn't like the way I look? And so they, they're just dedicated to trying to keep this together. And, um, and for me, uh, mine is one of observance. I look around and I see the generation before me, the boomers, and I see a lot of them coming around to Christmas time and there's less and less family coming back hmm. around. There's more and more rifts over simple things that don't even really matter when yeah. you take into context the entire history of the family. And for me, as a dad that has adopted my children through foster care, I know there's a par- parentage that's in the structure of my family that doesn't include me. And so if I know how delicate that makes my bond with my children, then I have to think when I'm older, the things that I'm doing today, when I'm older, does when the kids turn 18, is that it? They're like, okay, do they clock out? And they're like, okay, we're off to go do whatever we're doing. And every Christmas and Thanksgiving or whatever that comes after that is an empty one because all I did was I did my job, but I didn't do, I didn't nurture and I didn't, I didn't form these bonds. And that's just like, I long to be able to grow old and mm-hmm. see the kids' kids and see their children's children's children. I want to be around for that. And mm-hmm. I want them to still have a meaningful bond together. And so that's my fear that I don't do something that breaks that at a at a key level here. Mm-hmm. And so that we're just going through the motions. Yeah. And then when it comes down to it, I'm sad and I'm home and I'm alone. And my whole family life was a farce. And the evidence of that is in the connection that I don't have Hmm. as I get older. Yeah. And like, that's the thing in the back of my head with everything that I do whenever I make a mistake is to pause and be like, no, I don't want that to happen to me. This means too much. Yeah. That's, that's the motivation. That's the ultimate goal. That's why you're doing what you're doing is because I want these long standing relationships, connections with my children. And that's the motivation when I have those moments, when those echoes come up, I check my ego and I say, what do I need to take responsibility for as a father? Which again, is a big shift from your past of like, I'm doing something different than my dad and you know, I'm getting healthier than my dad. So my kids could be healthier and learn from me. It's like, that's that next step. And that takes a lot of, I don't know about you, but it definitely takes quite a bit of work and mind being aware and being mindful of who we are. Uh, definitely takes more time to do that. You know, it's not quick. It's not quick. The thing that you mentioned, uh, for you, you said your wife had heard it. Mm. So she knew and she jumped to action. Um, for me to have like, my wife is not a take things laying down type person. Mm -hmm. She's very, very proactive in everything that she does. She's the spark. She's the fire. And um, and I'm kind of the cool, cool cucumber thing. But that doesn't mean that I'm without my ego coming in and being hurtful or, or mm. I'm being dismissive. That's one of my things. Like you might not want to actively be dismissive to somebody, but just because of the way that you handle things, where you're just like, okay, okay, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's all right. I got yeah. this kind of thing. 
mm-hmm. it can come off as being dismissive. Well, sure. that's that's my trait that I have to battle. Mm-hmm. And so I don't like being called out on stuff that I'm not doing right. I hate that. Like everybody hates that. Though I might not respond in an explosive manner, it doesn't mean that uh, that it doesn't affect me or that I can't kind of, you know, do my little thing to kind of break that trust or break that relationship in that in that moment. And uh, and I'm really grateful for those hard times or hard talks that my wife is not afraid to enter. And I feel like between the both of us, we give each other a safe space where we can get into those moments and she can feel okay to come to me and tell me, hey, you're slipping up on this. Like, look at this person's face. Look how you're, you're handling it. Yeah. And I, I just got to be like, okay. Yeah. Not, and not be like, well, you're not perfect. Like, that's the... Right. Well, that, that's the defensive, right? That's the, yeah. you know, that, that's the ego. That's the ego. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm so good at that. I'm yeah. the king. The oh, king yeah. of that. And, yeah, uh, I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, to see, like, I guess you see the roadmap down the road of, where this is going, you just got to knock your own crown off and be like, oh, you know what? This, yeah, I'm going about this wrong. And yeah. we had an issue. And then I'm turning it into a compound issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing. I'm sorry. Help me. Right. That's a big, yeah. that's a big ego letting go of saying, yeah, you're right. I don't have it all figured out. I need help and yeah. I need support. And, yeah. you know, and again, it goes back to your ultimate, like the why for you. And the why is, yeah. right, that I want deep, intimate, long-standing relationship with my children, you know, till I'm a hundred and some 150, 200 years old, you know, I want that. And that's the why of the, of the growth and ego and echo, man, that was a great way to remember this ego and echo. Like, what is it? What's coming up and how do we check our ego and how do we get help? And again, it takes work, but I'll tell you what, there's nothing like it. And, and I know, and I know, and, and this is where the therapist part comes in for me is like, when I make these mistakes, I'm like, I know this too. Like, I know, I I teach people. I've read it in a book. I've this done is a my thesis. this is my job, like. But it just goes to show that just because I have letters after my name, I'm still human. Yeah. I still make mistakes. I'm still a person. I still yeah. have my difficulties. I just happen to have training. That's at the end. No matter what is after anybody's name, we are all humans. I don't care who you yeah. are. We all have to. We all have echoes, and we all have an ego. <laughs> all yeah. of us, Definitely. every single person. Everyone's got an echo, echoes, and we all have an ego. And we yeah. all learn about. We all essentially, I think, as humans, I believe the goal is to really make the next generation better. All of us to learn yeah. from the past. Yeah. How? What's? What are we doing well? And to give that gift to the next yeah. generation to be even that much better. And that's the hope is like, how do we break those chains that, how do I break that cycle from my, from my family generation to give yeah. them a better life? And that is such a, you know, as a parent, what a call, I mean, what a, yeah. what a charge as a parent, you know, to fill, uh, yeah. what a, what a purpose. And so I'm wondering with that, like to, slight transition, similar topic, but as a father, what is a significant difficulty either you have gone through or are going through? I guess the, uh, the difficulty of that I've kind of gone through and it is ongoing is it's kind of compound, but I'd say it's most dads, they take their, their dadhood or their fatherhood as it's a, it's their right. It's their, their right. As a father, you um, sired this child or these children and they're yours. Mm-hmm. And this is your right to raise them how you see fit mm-hmm. and all this and uh, my fatherhood started out as a privilege and it remains as a privilege in a lot of key aspects. Hmm. And so I don't have 
the the I can't take the same line of thinking or approach that many other fathers do take because you know these are their bio children and they're like this is my way or the highway you're gonna be just like me mine is like it's very humbling because I'm like wow you can dance like nobody's business and you have a hunger for playing music very loud because you can dance and I have to know that that didn't come from me hmm. like I know that that's not that's not me. And so I have to reorient myself and say, this this is a place of privilege, me being able to be a parent. I thank mm-hmm. you. Not that I'm saying that out loud, but I'm like, right. I'm, I'm thankful for the grace that mm-hmm. you chose me back to mm-hmm. do this whole adoption thing. And we go into a family because it's something that's apparent, as you may know, anybody that looks at my content, all of us do not look the same. All of mm-hmm. my children aren't even the same ethnicity as me. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a Jamaican American. My parents are immigrants. My two, uh, African American children, uh, their lineage or lineage goes back to God knows where, but they've been Americans for as long as they can remember, or their yeah. family can remember. And then there's Lillian, who's a Caucasian little one. And, um, that, uh, that reality does hit me a lot. Like say, we're going to go just, just, in, in context of the world and how things are and the prejudices of people, not saying that I'm looking for it at all times, but I have to be mentally engaged fully mm. in the things that I do. So like, um, it's so great to have a, a wife that's actually conscious of, of these things. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm going it alone, mm. but, um, this has happened to me. I'll give you a scenario. I'm, I'm working and I'm working at a school and I'm, I'm waiting there and I'm finishing off my shift as a teacher's aide. And my little daughter, who's Caucasian, she goes to school at a pre-K at the time. And so they have to go over there and they pick her up and they bring her over to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And um, and so my other, ch- my other child, who's Harper, she's there at the school that I'm at. And we look alike. And so people don't even, they wouldn't even say that she was adopted. They wouldn't mm-hmm. know. And then Lillian comes running up and she's like, daddy. And she comes and jumps right into my arms and and people just look at us like, hmm. and it's some of them looking at like, Oh, that's sweet. But then one particular person's looking at me and I'm like, um, okay. And they go, yeah. whose who's little girl is this? And I'm like, she's, she's mine. This is my daughter. And they go, no, hmm. whose, whose girl is this? And it, it's like one of those things where you're not mentally engaged to like you're not thinking about that yeah. until somebody says no and you're like, what do you oh oh yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so she she's my daughter and she's she's adopted. Oh, oh mm. yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't like saying that in front of my kids, even though we've worked hard to turn adoption into something that's sure. not a stigma. Yeah. But the default settings of the word is, you know, it's stigmatized. And so yeah. it, that just leads on into just real life and regular life. When I when I, I remember things of when Lillian is two years old and we're inside of Walmart mm-hmm. and she can't get the toy. We can't give you the toy. I wish I could give you the toy, but I can't give you the toy. Yeah. Okay, it's time for us to leave the store. And she'll throw down a grade four... Defcon for uh, uh, yeah, I know those tantrum, right? Oh, you know, yeah. the kicking and the screaming and the holding on to the shopping cart in that house. Yeah, and you just got to get out of there. It's time to reposition. You can't correct a child in the store 
not even for a timeout. You got to go outside and try you gotta to remove. You got to um, remove them from the situation as calm as you can. Remove them from, yeah, remove yeah. them from the situation. And that actually but happened I'm, to me last weekend at the pumpkin patch with my eldest. He wanted to get ooh. off the tractor by himself. It was dangerous. Yeah. I grabbed him and he, he likes to. Not the, appreciative. No tantrum, but I picked him up because there was people waiting and I started walking and he was starting to hit me. Again, he's four. So mm-hmm. he's starting to hit me on the back, but I'm just walking calm. And I know he's, he's overwhelmed. Yeah. But I walked away because that yeah. was not the time or place. I needed to calmly just walk and then get to a place where I could sit down with them and talk. Cause that, that area was, it's not the place, but it's too much. Yeah. And I knew how to deal with him screaming and hitting, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to think about what I think you're about to talk about. I didn't yeah. have to think about this little barrier. And so please continue. Yeah. So she's, she's flipping out. And I, and I pick her up and I put her on my shoulder and I'm just trying to soothe her and calm her. And I'm here walking out of the store. Now I'm walking out of the store and people are looking at me and my, this little girl who's saying, I want my mommy who doesn't look like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm carrying her out the store while she's kicking and screaming. And so I have to stop myself and say, okay, we live in Oklahoma. There's a lot of heroes that are mm-hmm. walking around. and they'd be thinking that they're doing the right thing. But I don't want to enter into that level of trauma. It's not Mm -hmm. worth it. And so now I'm inside this store looking for mom while she's kicking and screaming, and we're drawing a lot of attention. And those things like that, that I have to be so conscious of that, so that when that that situation happened and we go, go to mom, and we basically have to walk away from the shopping cart and everybody files out of the store, we go into the car and there the whole family has to sit there and try to resolve this issue and redirect and do that completely together where most people like they're with their bio kid or whatever. And that's happening. You pick the kid up, daddy goes out and everybody sits there and rolls there. I was like, mm-hmm, look at him. Mm-hmm. He's got a little firecracker. With- that doesn't happen right. to me. I don't right. get the look of, you know, the nod of affirmation like, oh yeah, they're kids, man. I don't get that. I get a look of concern and mm. fear. And um and it's difficult to to wear that hat as a dad with my full heart, with my whole heart, but know that somebody else their perception of me can divorce me from that dignity of being a father because mm. now all of a sudden I'm a person that's carrying somebody else's kid out the store. And so mm. for us um to handle that difficulty or to deal with that difficulty consciously me and my wife sit down and we run game plans and we say, Hey, if something's happening and mom can't pick up Lily and walk out, how do we do this? And so everybody's involved, sadly, that they have to be conscious as well with us mm. that, okay, if I have to carry her out, um, my oldest is going to walk behind me and she's mm. going to be in constant communication with Lily. And, and that established relationship is hopefully perceptive. And uh, and so we have to head to the car and I have to come up with something clever or whatever to be able to say to kind of help her calm down mm-hmm. as we walk out the store. But there's levels or there's a couple of thresholds that if she's behaving a certain way, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way we're stuck and yeah. we have to walk away from the cart. Wow. And um, yeah, that's a that's one of those things in our life that we have to be conscious about, that we have to sit down and have those talks. Um, and my wife, she has those talks with with um, with our child, Kristen, as well, because it's not just it's not just because I'm this big black guy and I have this little white girl that I have to take out of the store. She's throwing it, throwing down in aisle five and I have to be really connected with that. But also my wife, 
she knows like we it's weird like when they were still in foster care we were driving through i don't remember wisconsin or someplace we're driving through there and my kids are traumatized the two the two oldest are traumatized from interactions with police they Mm. just it's never been good Mm. and not even with me it's before they came to us and so i'm driving and daddy's got his foot down a little hotter than it's supposed to and so we Mm. get pulled over and i look at my wife and she looks at me and we're like okay if this guy's cool we can we we have a teachable moment and so the cop comes up he says hey you know, you were speeding. And I was like, I didn't realize because, you know, it's a speed trap kind of area. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And he's turning to go back to his car. And I'm like, hey, I was like, can I talk to you? And he, he had a gentle spirit. Hmm. And you have to be perceptive of that. He had a gentle spirit because most wouldn't trust you. It's nighttime. You're pulling somebody over. It's 1030. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear what you got to say. But he came over and I was like, hey, um, these two children were foster parents. And these two oldest and I in the back of the car. They're really spooked by cops, but I want to kind of show them that cops can be our friend as well. Mm-hmm. And um, would you mind um, coming back and just introducing yourself to them? Just tell them your name mm-hmm. and and what you do. And he was like, and I could see the softness wash mm-hmm. over his face. And I was like, okay, let's see. And I'm ready for my ticket. I already knew what I did was wrong. Sure. Yeah, and so yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I know that my wife is going to wear my, my ear out for that when I get home. So, yeah. okay, I'm ready for the next chief. <laughs> to take over when he's done but he comes yeah. back and he brings stickers with mm. uh, uh, like deputy badges and he says hey kids my name is De- deputy so-and-so he's like here and they're looking scared and there you can see the fear kind of leave them and they start to smile and mm. he hands it to them and like my wife is like sitting there like okay okay mm. and we held hands in silence as we drove off and the kids were like oh that was so cool mm. But as our family yeah. is, like, we have to be intentional about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we just have to be because of the way that we look. And because, like we said before, those echoes of the past and and the struggle with the ego, like, cause people to bring poisonous or toxic things from the past. And they, they wear over generation to generation. And I want to be able to stop that in my own little way in my family. I know that other people may not have the opportunity and so we have issues like those prejudices or those um, stereotypes that that can harm us, and we have yeah. to be we have to consciously nag- navigate that in, in our daily lives. Hmm. That is something that I I have no experience and probably will never have that experience. Um, you know, you, we had a conversation before about this uh, when we first met, yeah. <laughs> um, and so hearing it again, it just I'm just. It's something that I never have to think about. Uh, yeah, which obviously is a it's privilege, right? That's a form of privilege. Yeah. I don't. I, it's it my is. privilege. I don't have to think about that with my boys, or yeah. or really anything for that matter. And thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone. <laughs>